Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean and I will do a part one of the Western Conference predictions for the 2020-2021 season. And we're back with another episode of the Front Office Podcast. I am extremely happy to be joined again by my partner in crime, Sean Gantworker. How you doing today, buddy? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes. We got training camps. We got trades. I didn't write this song in advance. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. But it sounds so wonderful for the year. See, I was thinking we could leverage this podcast into a recording contract of some kind. If it's music, it's music. Hey, we can do a whole new Ebony and Ivory kind of um, thing going on, you know? And you get to be Stevie Wonder. I'm Paul McCartney. I mean, that kind of sucks, but if we have to, we have to. Hey, you know what? I'm shaking my head and clapping my hands like I'm Stevie Wonder right now, so it's all good. I love the people. I love keeping the people happy. <laughs> um, one of my favorite basketball things, not really basketball things, is that Shaq is convinced Stevie Wonder is not blind. Uh, gotta love it. Just gotta love it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, yeah, Shaq is Shaq. <laughs> hey, so, a lot of stuff going on. Um, there was a big... Do you want to talk about this trade? So, we're going to do a Western Conference prediction and an Eastern Conference prediction. Um, we have some a trade that happened that affects both conferences. Um we have so let's just let's start off with the Western Conference actually. So first off, in the news, I think we talked about Chris Paul going to Phoenix. LeBron James and Anthony Davis have re-signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I think kudos to Rob Palinka, and in, in my opinion, I think Rob didn't get the respect that he was supposed to get under Magic Johnson's tutelage, you know. But I think that Rob has come out of that. Out of the "I'm not gonna be here" comment, <laughs> and 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 Rob's getting me stabbing me in the back comment, and I think that Rob has kind of come out of this with, with, with like looking like a, a looking like the bigger person here, and he is just continuing to make moves. Dennis Schroeder trade. What do you think about the Lakers, and are they going to repeat? And it's it's like you said. Uh... Rob's come a long way from being a guy that Ramona Shelburne was leaking, didn't know how the salary cap worked uh, last <laughs> right, year. Right. He's really, really proven himself. And uh, this is what he did when he was a player, you know, at Michigan, right? Okay. You know, other guys t- you can let other guys take the shine, like the Fab Five, and then he's just doing his work. Hey. And, uh, and it's like you said, I mean, that Lakers team he did is better, at least on paper, than it was to start last year. It's deep. It's... Not, not incredibly young, but it's got room for improvement. And if you're asking me to take the field versus the Lakers, I'm going to take the field. But right now, I have the Lakers as number one of a bullet in the West. Mm. And I would be shocked if they're not in the Western Conference Finals again this year. Mm. Well, let's let's look at your predictions because I, I did a top ten 
of the of the Western Conference because the play-in game is seven to ten. So I wanted to get the top ten teams in there. So <laughs> give it to me, Sean. Who who's your top? Let's say who's your top four right now in the Western Conference. And I'm talking seeding. I'm, I'm talking seeding. I'm talking um, um, home court advantage. I'm talking final standings at the end of the year at the 72 games. Who's your top four teams? I mean, I did based on who I think are the best teams with a better record. Obviously, that will change depending on divisions and stuff. Right. Um, I could do that off the top of my head, but it might not be worth it. Regardless, I have the Lakers at number one. Okay. The Denver, the the young gun Denver Nuggets at number two. Los Angeles Clippers at number three, and the Dallas Mavericks at number four. Woo-wee! And I have just an absolute battle, actually, from five to ten. I've got people I prefer, but right now, Lakers, done deal. Nuggets, I think internal improvements to carry that team further than we think they will. Clippers, I, I don't love what they did this offseason, but they did enough to get better and Mavericks assuming Porzingis comes back within about two months and can at least play that team is deep it's good and it's going to make some noise hmm I'll give you my top four three of those are the same as yours so I have as my number one seed coming out of Western Conference I have the young Denver Nuggets and the reason being is because they're young and they're they don't care they're going to go 60 and 12 and they're going to be just fine um, I don't have them going to the finals, but I have them having the best record in the league, in, in the Western Conference. My number two are the Los Angeles Clippers. I have the Clippers because I feel like Ty Lue, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and the rest of those guys have something to prove. Um, you know, especially from losing the 3-1 lead uh, against Denver. So I think that's going to kind of push them and motivate them. Ty Lue has a lot to prove, too, because he has to get that team out of the second round. Um, the third seed, I have the Lakers. I think because they don't care. They'll be – they don't care about the regular season. They care about the, the um, playoffs. So they're going to just be on cruise control. They'll be a, a, a good third seed. Um because of their age, they're going to put LeBron on, on a couple of little sit-downs. And, and, you know, my fourth team, the Phoenix Suns. Whoa! I have the my Phoenix... Phoenix Suns. Yes, I have the Phoenix Suns being the fourth seed in the NBA this year. I think that Chris Paul is going to be up for an MVP award. I think Devin Booker is going to be one of the top three scorers in the league. I think DeAndre Ayton's going to be on that most improved. I don't know if he's even eligible for that because he's so young, but I think DeAndre Ayton is going to be amazing with Bridges and the rest of those guys. Um, I might as well give you five through ten. At five, at five, I have the Golden State Warriors. Okay. I think the Warriors are going to shock a lot of people. I think that Kelly Oubre is going to step in nicely for Klay Thompson. I think that he can shoot just as well as Klay Thompson. I think I could shoot as well as Klay Thompson if Steph Curry's on my team. Um, it's going to be a lot of openings. It's going to be a lot of open jumpers for Oubre, and I think he's going to take advantage of that. As well as being in the contract year, I think he's playing for a big contract. So he's going to jack up shots, but he's going to make a lot of them. I've got Portland at six. Portland's going to continue to be Portland. The Buffalo Bills of the NBA, they're going to continue to have great regular seasons, continue to put up a lot of stats. But a first or second round exit is probably going to be, you know, the same for them. 
I have Dallas after them. I have Houston falling all the way down. And we're going to talk about that trade that happened um, as well. And then 9 and 10, I have Utah and New Orleans. Um, so I have New Orleans, Utah, Houston, and Dallas playing to get into that 7th and 8th spot. You give me your uh, 5 through 10 as well. So I'll say, I'll say off the top of my head, you are way higher on the Warriors than me. Mm. And you're way higher on the Suns than me, even though I think the Suns are going to be really good. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of parity 5 through 8. And I have some asterisks, um, but, but I'll, I'll just say it. Number five, I have the Trailblazers. Okay. Uh, I, I would have preferred they do something big, obviously, and that probably ends up being trading the column yep. and trying to get move some pieces around. But for what they did, I think they're deeper, and I think they did address a major weakness that they had last year, which was defense. Mm. I think having Rodney Hood back healthy is going to do great for them. I think they can rely on internal improvements from Gary Trent Jr. to carry a lot of the way, and... Uh, Covington's gonna do gonna solve just so many problems for them. Oh yeah, he is. Just so many problems. Oh yeah. I wish they I wish they had a better backup point. Like Anthony Simons is still a lottery ticket at this point, but it's he's, he's it's not the worst thing in the world to roll the dice with him. So that's my number five. Number six, I have the Jazz. Okay. Um, I think the Jazz improved enough on the margins that they can that if they stay healthy, they'll still be pretty good. Uh, Mitchell got his contract. Good for him. Definitely. Uh, Gobert, I don't know. He's going to have to play and prove he can prove himself a little more offensively before they even try to get this, give him the supermax or trade him. But I think Favors is going to be really good defensively, and they clearly got him to take some Anthony Davis minutes in the playoffs, which was very smart. I like uh, Azubuke uh, developmentally off the bench. I think. There's not much that dude can't do other than shoot three, and you don't need your third string <laughs> center, you know, on the perimeter. Definitely. Uh, so the team's good. They gave Clarkson a little too much money for my for my liking, but I see his use for the team. Um, pretty much neck and neck with them right after is I see the Suns. The only reason I don't have the Suns leapfrogging them uh, and taking that six seed is just that uh, there's so many pieces that I need to see work together. Uh, I think if that team clicks, and I think it eventually will click, um, there's not much, not many people who can stop them. Because top to bottom, this team is just stacked with great role players and a really good front three in Booker, Aiton, and Paul. Like, J- Javon Carter, defensively, is just an absolute force, and I love him behind Paul. I think Galloway and Etuan Moore were ideal bench signings, love it to death. And Crowder, obviously, is going to do great in that 3-4 spot. And then just... Cam Johnson, Dario Saric, and whatever development they get out of the rookie Jalen Smith. I just, I love what they've done. My hat's off to, to Mr. James Jones, who I had my doubts, but he's got something juicy brewing. You know, the thing, um, about, the thing about, just let me just interject on Phoenix real quick. The thing about Phoenix, they get a bad rap. Marquise Chris is always talking about them. Draymond Green's always talking about them. Now Kelly Oubre's always talking about them. As far as that, they need to get these young kids out of Phoenix. I think that that was a different regime, so I think the yeah. the... The the paint is still there, and people are still reminded of it, but it's a whole different Phoenix team. So I think those rules don't apply to this Phoenix team. Go ahead. Yeah, I think same thing. I think it's a clean slate. Obviously, ownership is the same, but Jones clearly has the autonomy to take chances. I mean, look no further than their last two lottery picks. The guy is trying to build the roster his way, and uh, I can't see Phoenix fans having any complaints, maybe the old Phoenix players. Um, regardless... 
So number eight, and mm. here's where it gets juicy. I have the Golden State Warriors. Ooh. I just need to see that it that they're healthy. I um I was really disappointed in Draymond Green last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only from a on the court perspective, but just effort wise, he was definitively that best player for most of the year, and he he didn't do anything. I mean. Eric Paschal was the guy who led that team to the limited wins they had. And right now they're relying on Eric Paschal to basically be their seventh man off the bench. So if Curry is healthy, yes. If Kelly Oubre is, is, you know, healthy and hitting his shots, yes. If they get anything out of Wiggins, absolutely. I think that team can contend for, for anywhere from four, five, six, seven, but I need to see it to believe it. Until I do, there's eight with that asterisk that's Ooh. just proof to me Curry is healthy. Okay. So number nine and ten, and here's what gets interesting. And there's, I'm very interested in Houston right now. Um, I don't think categorically we can say they're worse right now. Um, and that's saying something. Because if John Wall is healthy, yes. If DeMarcus Cousins is healthy, and if Christian Wood is the player I think he is, I think that team kind of fits together a little better than their last couple of teams. Mm-hmm. I think James Harden can absolutely play off the wall, ball a little more and get let John Wall, a healthy John Wall caveat, get him the ball more. I think that team has a little more flexibility now, um, both on and off the court. I love the fact that they got picks for Robert Covington, who I think is a good player, but I I love the, the thing they did. And I like the audacity of trading Westbrook for Wall getting what I think is going to amount to be pretty much like a second-round pick. Like, mm-hmm. that thing is really well lottery-protected. Oh, yeah. Just see if it works, and if you have to, trade hard in that trade deadline. So, right now, I have that team as the ninth, but I think they're going to be very interesting. And number 10, and there's no shame in this, the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay. I think John Morant is going to be a superstar, mm-hmm. but until they have a definitive number two, and maybe that's Jalen Jackson, this team I see is is basically like the Tom Thibodeau Chicago Bulls, where we're waiting for them to surround their young superstar with a lot of talent, and they're relying on internal improvement. I think it could work. I see the logic. I think they have a great front office, but for now, I don't think they addressed enough holes in the offseason for me to have them uh, definitively in the playoffs, but... I, I think I think they'll they'll have a little fun in the playing tournament. So you think Memphis is going to make it in before New Orleans? Yes, and uh, <laughs> and our friends in Minnesota, which would be an absolute disaster for for that team. You know, I don't think Just, Minnesota's going to make the playoffs at all. I think Minnesota's going to Minnesota. You know, I think. Um, I love D'Angelo Russell. Well, I won't say I love D'Angelo Russell. I like D'Angelo Russell a lot. Carl um, Anthony Towns is still he's to me. And my, this is just my humble opinion. He's still a little bit overrated. Um, I think he's a great 20 and 10 guy, but 20 and 10 guys, that's like the, the Eric Paschals of the world jacking up shots on a terrible team. You know, um, I do like, uh, some of the picks that they picked up, but Minnesota, they, they scare me because they're going to just continue to be Minnesota. And I think the Warriors are sitting back licking their chops saying, Hey, go ahead, Minnesota. We'll be taking that pick very nice. I just think it's absolutely unforgivable for a team that knows it has two weaknesses, uh, def- defense and at the four, to go in, get Ricky Rubio as your best defender, and then have your four rotation be 
Juancho Hernana Gomez and Jaden McDaniels. Like, I just don't understand it. I'd be so angry if I were if I was a Minnesota fan. Like, I'm excited that they didn't blow up the pieces they had, but boy, they gave so much money to Malik Beasley, who we just don't know about from a character perspective right now, mm-hmm. and didn't fill that team in in the margins when they needed to. And if you're going to expect Juancho Hernana Gomez and Carl Anthony Towns to stop Rudy Gobert or a Nurkic or, you know, an Anthony Davis or the thing that Denver's going to do to him, I just don't see the percentage in that. And this draft is so good that if Golden State finds itself with not even a Cade Cunningham, but a Kai Soto or something in mid to late lottery, boy, is Minnesota just going to just... Yeah, just a huge setback for him. Definitely, definitely. Or, or you know, if if that's a uh, top five pick, you know, I know it's top three or top two protected, but if it's a four, five, or six pick, then the Warriors are doing just fine. Um, and the reason why I picked New Orleans over them was for a couple reasons. You know, it was uh, for the Stephen Adams pickup, and I think that that is indeed the reason why New Orleans is going to be better because Steven Adams doesn't mind banging with Anthony Davis or, or Nurkic or Jokic or any of them, you know? Um, so that's why I think New Orleans is going to be like, just, just ready to ball. I don't know what Eric Bledsoe is going to do on that team, you know, but I know that that was just a, a fill in for the Drew holiday trade. Um, let's talk about those trades. So Washington and Houston, of course, made the trade. Russell Westbrook for John Wall and a 2023 lottery protected. That is protected to the T. So, like you said, it's going to turn into two seconds. I think – I don't think there's a loser in the in the trade, but I do think that there's a winner. And I know that makes no sense. But – No, I, I see your point exactly, but, but go on and explain it to our fans. We know who Russell Westbrook is. We know what he's capable of. Um – John Wall is, is we, we have to see what he's going to do. Same thing, like you said, with DeMarcus Cousins. And I feel like John Wall may be able to come back from that. But the art of the unknown, I would be definitely scared if I'm a Houston fan. I do think the James Harden trade is going to happen. And it may not happen in the next week before the season starts, but definitely by the trade deadline when, when Houston comes out and they're 3-10. and 10. You know, or, or those types of things. I don't know how you can continue to keep an unhappy superstar happy because that doesn't seem to work. So that trade, Westbrook for Wall, I think Washington had to do it. I think Westbrook is on a mission now. I'm, I'm a little anticipating if Westbrook can go to KD's hometown and be the man, that might be something. He's, he's, he, he knows it's a storyline, even if other people don't. Yeah. Like, if he that's, goes, that's, that's on his mind, you know? If he goes and wins the MVP in D.C., oh, th- that's his town. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward I to mean, that. Oh, yeah. I, I am, too. I mean, like you said, it's not an ideal situation when these two guys, guys sign the Supermax, right? Right. And immediately their contracts become quote-unquote albatrosses. Uh, Zach Lowe wrote a really interesting column about that, but it's a shame, right? Because right. these guys take what we call a hometown discount, but whatever. It's the most money, obviously, but it should mean something for a guy like John Wall to be drafted by the Wizards, to be developed by them. Same with Westbrook and the Thunder. And for that to fall apart, it's always a sad story. That being said, 
the Rockets needed to make the move and the Wizards needed to make the move as well. And for uh, Tommy Shepard, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, to finagle getting out of the John Wall contract, which is which is bad. Like, right, right. Three years, 41 million. It's, it's bad, no doubt about it. We haven't seen him play for two years. It's, like I said, a lottery ticket. For him to manage to get rid of that and give that heavily protected first, it's, it's a triumph. Definitely. Uh, my hat's off to him. Not only that, but um, Westbrook was very, very good up until the bubble last year. He knows Scotty Brooks. Yep. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Yep. And I think he recognizes that this is Bradley Beal's team, and he's going to make some noise. I think the level of aggression he has is going to do wonders for those young kids, particularly Denny. Yep. I love Den. I love what he's going to do for Denny's game. I love the idea of him finding his, finding Davis Bertans and, and Rui Hachimura and just expanding their game. And then on the margins, just what Westbrook is going to do to a guy like Cassius Winston out of Michigan State. Oh yeah, who I absolutely love. I love that guy. Um, I, we'll we'll talk about the the East later. Yep. But what Washington has done is basically cement itself that they're going to be players all season long, which is what you want. As as for Houston, like you had to do it. They were in a really tough predicament. They still are, frankly. And right now, the Harden situation almost reminds me of uh, Dwight Howard with Orlando, Ugh. where the where the internet basically bullied Dwight Howard into signing an extension because we loved Stan Van Gundy so much, and uh, Dwight begrudgingly stayed an extra year and then demanded a trade again. So I think sooner or later there is that ticking time bomb of the Harden trade. And whether it's the Nets or not, we need to have John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins playing effective basketball to even have a shot of them keeping James Harden. And I want to see it. As contingency plans go, I don't hate it because at least it's a commitment towards something. So that trade, Westbrook, Wall, I call a win-win. I think there's a lot of sadness associated in both sides, but I have no problems with uh, Tommy Shepard or Raphael Stone's uh, mindset. So... I think that that Washington has a little bit more um, um, skin in the game when trading John Wall as Houston has trading Westbrook because he was only there for one year. The fascinating story that keeps getting me is everyone, every story that I've heard is saying that Washington did a great job getting rid of John Wall's contract by bringing in someone with the same contract. (laughs) And and it's crazy that these guys make the same money. But you'd think John Wall is making double than what Russell Westbrook's making because of those injuries concerns, I guess. I mean, it's sad. Like, if John Wall – those John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter teams were so fun. Kelly Oubre. Um, Kelly Oubre as well. The Morris twin. The the Morris twins. (laughs) Top to bottom, like – they were – whenever – whoever they were playing in the playoffs, whether it be the Heat, the Hawks – they were going to put up a fight because mm-hmm. they were well constructed. They had they had a lot of upside, and you never know when John Wall or Bradley Beal is just going to take take charge. And I think it's a basketball tragedy, really, that it ended like this. Definitely, definitely. But in terms of picking a direction, Russell Westbrook tends to stay healthy, and even if he's not healthy, he tends to play through it. And I think the Wizards will benefit from having a guy who's going to be there, whether it's limited or not, rather than the guy who 
needs to rehab for 18 months. Like, even if Westbrook tears something, he's old enough, he's determined enough that he'll play, frankly, even if he's going to be a liability, that's what's going to try to play. Definitely. And I think that means a lot. And we're hearing some leaks about John Wall's work ethic. I don't want to cast aspersions. I wasn't there. Uh, but Westbrook will be there. Yes. And and ultimately, that's that's what matters. So if these two players are healthy... I would love to be able to compare their stats year to year. I think both GMs would love nothing more than these dudes to play, produce, and compare and be able to call balls and strikes on who's the winner, right? But Definitely. we need to see it from John Wall until we can believe it. Because, yeah, like I said, you know what you're going to get with, with Russell Westbrook. It's uh, John Wall, you still don't know what you're going to get. I don't like Russell Westbrook wearing that number four. I like him in that zero. But, hey, whatever. Um, yeah. I so here's the thing that I came across the other day, um, since we're still in the Western Conference. So Paul George was on all the Smoke podcasts with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. And he was talking about uh, how Doc Rivers was, was like limiting his game pretty much. You know, and he was saying that Doc Rivers was, was not thinking he was Ray Allen or, or J.J. Redick or one of those kind of guys. And... I don't know if Paul George is blaming Doc Rivers on the 3-1, you know, collapse because he said we didn't make any adjustments. You know, he said uh, we were up 3-1. I think I have the quote here. Let me find it. Hold on. Here it is. Nope, that's not it. So I think, um, you know, he said that Doc didn't make the necessary adjustments to beat Denver. And I just think no one was going to beat. They weren't going to beat Denver at all. And I'm just wondering what Paul George is on for even throwing Doc under the bus like that? I'm not surprised. I mean, I don't love it. Um, I think there were a lot of problems, Doc River included, uh, with what happened to that team, but Paul George was up there, you know? Right. Uh, his shooting completely fell off, and I don't think he should criticize Doc for, for misuse when, like, Doc was kind of using him like he'd always been used. <laughs> right. uh, like the guy was running off screens and being facilitated to by Darren Collison and Danny Granger back in, Indian, in Indiana. Mm. Same thing with Oklahoma City. Like Westbrook was feeding him along the perimeter, and when he got the ball on the perimeter, he had two options, right? You put it up or you put the ball on the floor and you attack. And frankly, what Paul George was doing when he was getting those balls in that situation in the playoff was hesitating. And more often than not, resorting to a mid-range game that completely abandoned him. I will say I was unimpressed with Doc Rivers' adjustments, uh, particularly putting Montrez Harrell out on the floor when he kept getting cooked over and over again and not being able to find options off uh, for playmaking when Lou, Will, when Lou Will and Patrick Beverly kind of just seemed to be going with the motions. But everyone is to blame and for Paul George to... To say to Doc Rivers, you know, don't let the door hit you. All right. Good Lord split you. I, I don't love it. <laughs> right, definitely. Um, I think we're both in agreement, though. Coaching-wise, he should have nothing to complain about this year. Um, Ty Lu, I didn't love the hire, but the staff he's put together is unassailable. Definitely. Uh, Dan Craig and Kenny Atkinson are going to be wonderful for them. Mm-hmm. I, I think Chauncey Billups has a lot of upside and could be a guy who is either coaching a college program or coaching an NBA team in about two to three years. Uh, Larry Drew, I love as a man. I have nothing bad to say about him. A great gentleman. And mm-hmm. Roy Rogers is tried and true. 
Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what those guys do. And I'm looking forward to George and Kawhi having absolutely no excuses this year, participating in off-season workouts, training camp, and making this work. Because if it doesn't work, they're going to be blamed. Definitely. You know, they're the, one, they're the ones taking the onus. Steve yes. Ballmer has enough money that he can wash his hands and walk away and go buy an island. <laughs> uh, Ty, Ty Lu has a championship ring. He'll be just fine. And the rest of these guys... Somebody's going to pay, you know, uh, Landry Shamit if this team ends up not, you know? Right. So right now, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, you are the leaders of this team. Act like it. You know, with, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they, they can play this season and then opt out. And if this thing goes south, I see both of those guys. Well, it's because it's home. But I see one of those guys probably being moved, maybe even Paul George. I mean, of course, you'll get more for Kawhi. But I think that... It, it could go very well. It can get pulled. The rug can get pulled from under the Clippers. You know, you mentioned, you know, the staff that Ty Lue is, is putting together. You know, Jerry Stackhouse, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, Chauncey Billups reminds me of the Jerry Stackhouse role in the coaching. As far as, you know, he Jerry Stackhouse was a G League coach. He turned that into a college coach. And I think Chauncey Billups might go that route as well. I can see him taking the Colorado job, going home and and being the Buffalo's head coach in the next two year or two. He he's got a he's going to have to learn the coaching aspect, and I think this year and the next year are going to be key to his development. Um, you mentioned Montrez Harrell and and him going over to the Lakers. I think that's what makes that's what's going to make the Lakers kind of do what they need to do. Um, why aren't we talking about what these these other teams in the West? The your favorite these these. Well, let me back up. Larry Drew's amazing. I, I, I worked with Larry Drew. He was under Mike Woodson's staff in Atlanta. Larry Drew is has set me down and had plenty of conversations with me. You know, um, um, basketball related and life related. So Larry Drew is amazing. He's a he's a kind man, and and I am looking forward to him and getting back to hopefully getting a head coaching job again soon. But I love what Ty Lue put together. But back to the other teams, Sacramento's of the world. What's what's going to take them to go from that lower echelon to at least middle of the pack? What is it going to take for them? Because they keep getting in their way, it seems like. Well, uh, right now I have Sacramento pretty much neck and neck with Minnesota and New Orleans in terms of guys who are probably on the outside looking in of the play-in tournament, but I don't see as being uh, hopeless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's tough for Sacramento. I, I love De'Aaron Fox. I like the things they did to make Buddy Heald happy. I like that they at least picked a direction, right? I mm. mean, between him and, him and Bogan. Um, I think Tyrese Halliburton is going to be fantastic, if not now, soon. Right. I think uh, Jamius Ramsey is going to be a contributor. I think yes, it's going to take is. a little bit. And uh, Marvin Bagley, he's never going to be Luka uh, Donich, but he's his own guy. Right. Um, they got your, They signed your boy, too. That's true. Hassan Whiteside. Uh-oh, he's back. <laughs> Our mutual friend Hassan Whiteside, back yes. where it all started. Back where it all started. I remember when you and I used to on media day. We took him all around, or we, it was one of those games. We took him all around and had to show him. We went to Reno and saw him. I mean, it was it was. I'm, I'm happy that Hassan Whiteside is. I mean, he's he he's been had ups and downs. He made a lot of money, and now this year, I think he's. 
going to help Marvin Bagley's um, um, development because Marvin Bagley needs to do something this year. He needs to perform this year. Um, they picked up his option. Um, I believe they gave Darren Fox a little bit too much money, but I guess you got to do what you got to do, you know, especially what Tyrese Halliburton sitting in the wings. You know, Tyrese can play. He can move De'Aaron off the, bo- off the ball. Or he can he can move off the ball, or he can just move De'Aaron out of Sacramento in the next year or two. But with that twenty eight, thirty, thirty two million dollar deal per year, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a John Wall, Russell Westbrook story in about two or three years. That's what I firmly I, I like De'Aaron Fox, but I not at that number. I mean, it's tough. I think they're between a rock and a hard place, uh, particularly with the new front office and. You want to pray that you have a building block, and I think uh, McNair assessed De'Aaron Fox as 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 close as they come. Right. Um, I I want to see that team get a five, or Marvin Bagley to prove he can be a, a five mm. uh, before I, I you know I, I start thinking that team. I think they're another lottery pick, maybe a, an Evan Mobley if he if he keeps performing to the rate he does. Uh, away from really starting to make uh, some noise in terms of, of hopefully not championship contention, but hopefully championship contention, but at least playoff contention. But right now, they've got a lot of guys who are not past their prime, but well into it, who I think their clock is a little further than Sacramento's is. Right. And I'm talking about Corey, Corey Joseph. Yep. I'm talking about Rishon Holmes. Yep. I'm talking about uh, Bijelica, who was quietly awesome last year. Oh, yeah. Even Glenn Robinson, the third, who was a great signing, who uh, I don't understand why a contender didn't pick him up this offseason. Uh, these are guys, I think, who are um, could be had around the trade deadline for a couple more pieces for Sacramento. And hopefully um, they don't rush into anything. But what's on paper right now in terms of Bagley, Fox, Halliburton, and Heald is not nothing. And that's a lot better than those years where they've been just stuck in the mire you right know? uh so a couple more years they'll always have my heart but uh not quite ready to call them in the playoffs but. definitely you know the thing about it is is that a team like sacramento like you said they're probably a, a lottery pick away from doing something uh but they've been that way since the yeah. thomas robinson days they've been that way you know and it's kind of like since purvis ellison you know since since guys like that i think that they a lot of teams and any team can can miss you know, any team can miss. Every team has missed on on draft picks. You know, um, I my one of my old GMs, Rick Sun. I'm going back to him again. I remember he sat me down one day and he said, "Every team has that story of a guy they should have um, picked up ahead of another guy." So don't get to the Robert Swifts of the world. Um, um, the other big guy they drafted the year after Robert Swift. You know, it's it's yeah. if if you if you continue to you know i sent you a text the other day and it showed all of the draft picks that the kings could have had and i'll run and they passed on these guys so steph curry they went and got uh tyreek evans luca they went and got marvin bagley they could have got Giannis. they could have got Kawhi. they could have got bam they could have got devin booker and zach levine you know um and i feel like some of that, it, most of, all of that is front office scouting and things of that sort. Some of that is just 
some of these teams are just have a curse over them that it's just going to be hard for them to just get out of their own way sometimes, you know? I think so, too. I think so much of it is terrible luck. When you and I first met, um, I mean, we, we remember that draft. Yep. Where they got Jimmer. Yep. They got Isaiah Thomas. Yep. They got um, the late, great, rest in peace, Tyler Honeycutt. Yep. They had Hassan Whiteside. They had Tyreek Evans. They had Boogie Cousins. If you had told me that team would, would implode like it did, I mean, I think that's just bad luck. Definitely. I think I think Jimmer was misused at first. And by the time they figured out what to do with him, uh, he had bum ankles and uh, he had no defensive commitment. I think if Jimmer Fredette had been picked uh, five to six years down the line, he'd be phenomenal in the modern NBA. Definitely. I think they didn't commit to Isaiah Thomas until it was too late. I think Thomas Robinson, I, I still don't understand it. I don't either. I remember I texted our mutual friend, Kevin Blankenship, and said, him and Boogie are going to be a force together. And the fact that it just didn't work is, I don't think, a condemnation on the King's scouts or the front office. I think sometimes suits just don't translate, right? You know, just like Jim, like you said about Jimmer Fredette, you know, I think that they they stalled Isaiah Thomas's development because they were so worried about Jimmer Fredette's development. And yeah. and and I think that they were putting all of their 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 chips on the table for Jimmer that they didn't really forget or that they forgot about the other guys. You know, when they picked Thomas Robinson, they had a well-functioning Jason Thompson manning the four. You know, and they had Chuck Hayes too. And they had Chuck Hayes, who I love to death. Like, oh yeah, that's a guy too who could thrive right now, thrive in any era. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, and I think that um, um, it, it it just seems that if had they picked a, a Harrison Barnes or a Damian Lillard as opposed to Thomas Robinson, oh yeah, things would be. I mean, like I said, all these teams can say that, but thing it just seems that certain teams keep making those same mistakes. The Warriors used to make those same mistakes. Andres Biendrins, who was kind of good, Michael Petrus, who was kind of good. You know, Tellis Frank. That might be a little bit before your time. Tellis Frank, Tellis Frank oh, dude, was picked third, I think. Tellis freaking Frank. You know, so it's it's. Teams like that, you know, uh, making the trade for Billy Owens in, instead of, of Dikembe Mutombo. You know what I mean? Um, and and, and yeah. so can you imagine Mutombo and Weber? It was Billy Owens and Weber. You know what I mean? So Weber would have probably still – Weber probably would have stayed in Golden State, you know, because he didn't want to play center. So some of these teams keep making the same mistakes, and I know that's just a part of life. It's a it's an imperfect science. But – how come the other teams don't make those mistakes while other teams continue to make them? Well, I think some teams know when they've made a mistake and when to abandon it sooner than others. Uh, I mean, look no further than the Golden State Warriors with Monte Ellis, right? Right. Do you remember when they retired Chris Mullins's uh, yes. jersey <laughs> yes. and those new owners got, got booed? Yes. And, and they got booed because they flipped – Monte Ellis, who did not have it all, for Andre Bogut. Right. And that was the start of something. Definitely. Right? Definitely. And it didn't show itself immediately, but it became those incredible Steve Kerr, Steph Curry teams. Definitely. Now, how many teams wouldn't have the the testicular fortitude to do that, right? Testicular fortitude, yeah. (laughs) I I think the Kings got a little too precious with their picks. 
I think the Chicago Bulls for a while uh, refused to get a solid uh, second option around Derrick Rose because they got a little too precious. I mean, this is a team that wouldn't trade for Kobe Bryant because they didn't want to give up Luol Deng. <laughs> and Luol Deng's a heck of a player, but sometimes you just throw the, you know, shoot your shot. Right. So I think teams more. I think teams like the Celtics could could stand to be more aggressive, and I think what we see is guys like the Lakers, who yes got Rich Ball to essentially bully his clients into coming there. But I think if the Kings had you know Lonzo Ball, Ingram, Josh Hart, and those guys, they'd probably keep him. Right. And that's that's a little troubling because yeah. you need to asset manage. Just just go for it. Uh, and I, so I think this is what we're seeing with certain teams who just aren't aggressive enough and maybe they'll make some noise for two to three years and they'll have some great stories, but they're not championship rings. They're just stories. You know, the thing, ab- that's not good enough. That's not good enough. You know, the thing about it is the same thing with the, the Bogdan Bogdanovich signing. <laughs> He's oh, not make he didn't, he didn't sign for a ton of money. He's only making 18 a year and only, right? But he's only making 18 million dollars a year and it behooves I, I I don't understand why the Kings were trying to decide if they were going to match that contract, why they couldn't just get a future first. Out of, hey, we're going to keep you, Bo- yes. um, Bogey. Or if you want to go to Atlanta, you better tell Atlanta that we need a first back or we're you going to just you know, we're going to just match the offer. You know, and I know they were thinking of Buddy Hill as well in the process, but you could have sent Buddy Hill to. I think Bogey's a little better than Buddy. You could have sent Buddy Hill to play with Trey Young. They have a relationship from from. I did. I know they didn't play together in Oklahoma, but they have a relationship. And I think that a lot of these teams are going to continue to make these same mistakes, and Sacramento is continuing to make the same mistakes. I mean, I'm also not convinced that you couldn't try to package Buddy Hill and Harrison Barnes together. And even if you didn't get picks, you clear salary and just start your clock again. I would have sent I, those two guys to the Clippers. I would have, you know, for Paul George, honestly. And not that Paul George is better than Harrison Barnes and Buddy Hill, but that's one guy making $30, $40 million, and then he's going to opt out next year. And now you cleared all that money up. And, and the free agency of 2021 is going to be awesome. Not just that, but why not treat it to, like, San Antonio? Right. And get guys like DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. And if you really think you're going to contend and you really are building around De'Aaron Fox, well, get him some veteran guys who, who, even if they can't produce on the court, are going to have a positive effect on him. Definitely. Just just pick a lane. Just pick a lane and stay in it. Pick a lane. Definitely, definitely. You want to go ahead over to the uh, Eastern Conference? I mean, I I will. I just want to... Just some brief thoughts Uh-oh. real quick about guys we, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about. Go ahead, Sean. You got it. Um, New Orleans. New Orleans. I like them. I, I love what Griffin's done. I um I don't love the spacing on that team right now. Um, particularly, I think Steve, Stephen Adams and Zion Williams are going to put the fear of God into anybody who comes in the paint. But uh, they're relying on Brandon Ingram and uh, J.J. Redick to provide spacing uh I hope translate. I'm not convinced it will. I think Bledsoe probably ends up being traded. And if not, I kind of like the idea of trading Lonzo Ball for uh, Lowry Markkinen as a challenge trade with the Bulls and just providing space there and letting Kira Lewis Jr., who I liked a lot, uh, start doing some stuff. Other teams, uh, I uh, San Antonio, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't understand. Uh, 
I guess you're just going to let those guys walk and start over, but not ideal. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about all the young teams that are battling and, mm-hmm. and I love it to death. I, I also, uh, don't put money on this, but don't be surprised if Oklahoma city is accidentally kind of good. Right. And, uh, th- they have to panic and blow it up even more because, uh, that team has enough pieces right there and Dale Horford that they might just luck into being very, very, very late lotto. And I think that would be hilarious. So uh, that's what I got for the West. I'm excited. Clippers, why didn't you sign Shabazz Napier? I'm a UConn homer, but come on, man. <laughs> Get that guy off your bench. Give him 15 minutes a game and enjoy. Other than that, I see the logic for everybody else in that division and uh, going to be some great basketball. You know, the thing about it is, for, for as far as New Orleans goes, I, I, I think you 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 just that's an awesome outside the box thinking Lonzo Ball for Laurie marketing um, because it's going to space the floor a little bit. I do think that JJ Redick is is not the same JJ Redick as he was, so he's probably in his last year with New Orleans. And I think Eric Bledsoe can't spread the floor. He's no one's going to trade for that eighteen million dollar a year contract. He, Unless maybe it's the Clippers or someone like that who really need a point guard. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Alexander Walker and Zion, and, and I love those guys. Jackson Hayes, I love him. But Brandon Ingram, I know they had to sign him as well. He he he's was one of the most – he was most improved player. You know, his, he's he doesn't – he does impress me, but he doesn't impress me. See that too. I don't think you see Brandon Ingram as being the best player on the championship team, right? And for the amount of money he's being paid, um, it's it, it's a lot, right? Right. Uh, in terms of like what else they did, I I don't understand giving Stephen Adams an extension. I I loved his contract as it was because it was one year, twenty two million, right? And if you don't see him and Zion working. That expiring is absolutely to die for at the trade deadline. Oh, yeah. That dude can still play. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I just – I don't really get it. But you and I are, you and I are both in agreement that uh, Alexander Walker is – I think he'll be something. Jackson Hayes, you just mentioned. I like Nicola Melli a bit. And I'm still got a corner on Sendarius Thornwell Island. Mm. Um, because I love those Frank Martin guys. Yeah, mm, okay. I, I, I think those guys can produce. I don't think they're superstars, but I think you give them 15 minutes a night and they offer a little bit of something. So don't be surprised if he ends up being in the rotation somewhere. Uh, so New Orleans, um, I, I I see this team as being on the upswing. I don't love the moves they made. I don't hate them either. They didn't lock themselves into anything too bad. So um, that'll be some fun basketball. Well, they have a ton of picks just like OKC does. So New Orleans and, and OKC, I, I'm not really – I don't expect much from them per se, but with the picks that they have coming in the next three to five years, I'm expecting those two teams to be at the top for years to come. If if Zion can get a 15-foot jumper. Yeah, if Zion can get a 15-foot jumper, then he will be unstoppable. He can lose a little weight, muscle up a little bit, and I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, it's a done deal if Zion gets a jump shot. Like, yes. No no doubt about it. That solves every single problem that roster has outside of their two-guard position, and they can handle that with their draft picks. So uh, 
that's a caveat. I look forward to seeing what Zion looks like in the preseason games because my understanding is he's put some work in, but I'll, I'll see it and then uh, make my mind up then. Definitely, and as far as San Antonio goes, yeah, they, they've got a lot of money coming off the book, so they're going to be a player in free agency, and they're probably going to have to overspend to get guys to come down to San Antonio because I think the Mar- the LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay train, I think that that's – and the Patty Mills, I think that that's over. I'm just worried that that's a team – that spends a whole bunch of money for for a guy like Rudy Gobert, right? And finds themselves locked in late in the game because they didn't so much luck into it as guys getting guys like Duncan and you know Ginobili and Parker because that's a testament to absolutely incredible scouting. But that kind of luck comes once once in a lifetime, right? And then they got Kawhi Leonard, which was even more insane. Exactly uh, for George Hill. Exactly. Uh, they they desperately need uh, one those guys they have right now uh, to to prove something uh, that they can be special. Because right now, I do think Murray, I do think Lonnie Walker, I think Derek White and Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell can be good basketball players. But good basketball players isn't going to get you anywhere unless you have that number one 1A guy. Right. And I'm not sure they find that guy in free agency. So unless they're prepared to make some moves for a lotto pick, um, I I see that team needing internal improvements. You know, uh, I can see a a DeRozan. I mean, not that Kuzma is is a godsend for San Antonio, but I can see a DeRozan going back home and and they do a mid-season trade or maybe even end-of-the-year trade. A DeRozan for, you know, a a Kuzma kind of – I know there will be – I know DeRozan will be a free agent, but like a signing trade or something, you know, um, I think San Antonio definitely does need to make moves like that. I don't think R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich will make mistakes that other GMs yeah. will make as far as overpaying, you know, so. That, that's the caveat here, right? These yeah. guys aren't idiots. They right. know this as much as you and I do. Right. Um, and, but I think that's a team that might want to explore getting a guy like Aaron Gordon and just putting that guy in a situation he hasn't been in Orlando for two or three years and just seeing seeing what you can do because I think they can afford lottery tickets at this point definitely without breaking up without breaking that team up horribly definitely definitely I can see like a Kevin Love going there or or you know one Kevin of those Love guys be fun. definitely uh, getting Drummond for, for and maybe getting some pieces in there too mm-hmm. uh, you're not building around Andre Drummond but you're telling me Detroit won't destruct that team uh, a little bit to maybe get some assets out of them. Uh, I think San Antonio is going to be one of those teams to watch for in terms of this is a team that can, when they want to make a big move, they'll be ready. Make a big move. They'll be ready. They'll be locked and loaded, ready to make a big move. Cause they'll, they'll have, t- like I said, they have tons of cash space next year. So they can pretty much hit any free agent and say, Hey, what do you want? You know, even if it's a Giannis or someone of that stature. I don't know if Giannis leaves Milwaukee to go to San Antonio, but still. No. Yeah, but still. And they've, got, they've got time, too. They've got enough goodwill from their fan base oh, yeah. and enough respect around the league that nobody's going to uh, say San Antonio needs to blow blow everything up top to bottom if they don't make the playoffs for three to four years. They'll, you, yeah. they'll be fine. They, yeah, they're, they're playing with house money. You know, they no one's going to ever say R.C. Buford and, and uh, Greg Popovich are idiots. <laughs> No, no, no one's ever going to do that. So that is um, the Western Conference. We we do know that. So who's your who's your top? So who's coming out the West? You got the Lakers again, or you got the, you said the field, right? You got to pick a team, Sean. Oh boy, barring no no injuries right now. Watch me. We're barring we're barring no injuries. 
you know, we're saying no one gets traded. We're saying right now, today, if you had to throw your dollar on a team, who's it going to be to represent the West? Okay. I think it's I, – I have the Lakers coming out the West. Shout out to Rich Paul. He's That man is just getting the bag for everybody. <laughs> he, he's getting the bag. Yeah, man. He's getting the – and imagine, he met LeBron at an airport. Yeah, that's how they met. <laughs> and, and, I, I met James Earl Jones at an airport once, and it didn't get me anything. So, impressed. <laughs> hats off to you, Rich Paul. <laughs> hey, I shook Tupac's hand when I was a teenager. So, hey, there you go. Oh, God, where were you? Were you in Vegas that day? I'm worried about you now. No, I was I was in East Oakland at Eastmont Mall. Coming coming home, from, I was about 17 years old. I was working at Ace Hardware, and, and I went to the mall for lunch, and I said, that dude looks like Tupac. And I shook his uh-huh. hand and walked away. That's, oh, man, that's, that's better than James L. Jones. I'll give you that much. Yeah, I think I think so as well. <laughs> All right. So so we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Who can be the Lakers, right? Yes. Who did enough this offseason to address that need? And I see two teams right now with at least a puncher's chance. I think Denver. Mm-hmm. I think that Grant move took them by surprise, but I think could be a blessing in disguise. Mm. Um, because I think that's a lot of money to commit to a guy in Grant that we don't fully know yet. And I think the moves they made along the margins were really impressive. Right. I love Facunda Campazzo. Oh, uh, yeah. From, uh, from overseas. I love Monty Morris more, though. And the fact is they can trade Monty Morris at any point they want and maybe get an internal upgrade. Along with that, I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to take some huge steps forward. I think if Will Will Barton and Gary Harris can stay healthy, they will solve a lot of problems. And I think as contingency plans go, Jamichael Green, Bull Bull, uh, ZK Najee, and Isaiah Hartenstein are not nothing. Right. I think that team is so deep that they can survive an injury and even make a consolidation trade once they know what's going. Yeah. What 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 the what the weather looks like. I think they have a great shot of being the Lakers. I wouldn't put money on it. But whatever. I love to death what the Mavericks did. I love it. I love it. I love it. Definitely. Quietly, I think they won the draft. Tyrell Terry is the ideal oh. Seth Curry replacement. Yes. And the fact that they got Josh Richardson and still managed to uh, improve along the margins without blowing it up is great. Yeah. I, I think. Josh I Green, but that's okay. Had, <laughs> I wish they had a center. We both love Josh Green out of Australia. Yeah. We both love Tyler Bay. Yep. I wish they had gotten more out of the center position than relying on Willie Cauley-Stein and Dwight Powell, but they didn't do anything crazy enough that they can't fix it with a midseason trade. So if Porzingis stays healthy and Luka continues on trajectory, I think he will continue on. I see no reason why that team can't battle the Lakers. You know, they, they so back to Denver. I think that, that, so they got a backup point guard, I think, in Marcus Howard. I love him. Um, and then I think they got a backup two to Gary Harris and R.J. Hampton. Of course, these guys are going to take a couple years to develop, but they have a bright future. Michael Porter Jr., like you said, I love P.J. Dozier, you know, and and I think and Bowl Bowl. I think Denver is going to be one of those teams that they're going to shock a lot of people. As far as Dallas goes, I'm a fan of Willie Cauley Stein, and I'm a fan of his because he's not going to be asked to do too much. 
Um, you know, and you better hope Porzingis stays healthy because they're paying him 150, 60 million dollars. So, you know, he yeah. better he better stay healthy. You know, and they'll have money next year too with with uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. and I think James Johnson's coming off the books. Yeah. I mean, Johnson, one year, $15 million, like you said, Hardaway, that is a two-year, $33 million contract right here that they can move anytime they want. Right now, exactly. It's yeah, great. It, it is great. It's a great thing. Um, and I think that a lot of – I think the Dallas is maybe a year or two away, but Luka is going um, to continue to do his projection. I'm looking forward to that Christmas Day game versus the Lakers, you know. Um, I'm looking forward to December 11th when preseason starts, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I just want to see how these guys work together, what's going to click, what's not, because without Summer League and without the amount of workouts they have, so many of these rookies that are going to be relied on to be depth, particularly with COVID, just aren't going to get their, you know, their yes. ears wet. So if you are ready to go, you're ready to go. And I think guys like Tyrell Ty- Terry and Tyler Bay, who have translatable skills right, mm-hmm. whether that be defense and the shot, are going to do a lot better than guys like R.J. Hampton, who do need time in a system right. until I think they're going to start project out to the players I believe they'll be. You know, and, and the like you said, the R.J. Hamptons of the world, you know, those. I think a lot of young guys are going to suffer this year. And they're going to suffer because they won't have the playing time. You know, and Denver, I don't even think, Denver doesn't have a G League team to develop these guys. So I, I just feel that, a lot of these rookies are going to – it's going to be a lost season for them, except for like the James Wisemans of the world because they're going to just get thrust in. But you're going to see a lot of, of of mid-round guys be a little bit – have a bigger name than a, a lot of these lottery picks because they're not going to be expected to do so, so much. But they're going to come out and probably shock you when, you know, God forbid one of these guys, you know, contracts COVID and have to be out for a week or so. Some of these rookies are going to have to be called upon to to kind of carry that mantle until their stars come back. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the best situation, I think, is probably Precious Achua right now Mm -hmm. for the Heat. Definitely. Because he's got that culture. He's got that system. He's got a very clear role to fill. And he's just got a great group of guys around him. Oh, yeah. I feel less concerned about those Lotto guys who are all pretty much winning teams than I do a guy like Anthony Edwards who's going to be expected to immediately contribute or that team's going to lose a lottery pick. Right. Uh, so it's going to be a real rough situation for those guys who, you know, the onus is on them to immediately succeed. Yeah, yeah. You want to get over to the Eastern Conference? Let's do it. All right, give me one second. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.